Uh. Hi, Greg. Hey. Hey, Dale. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Kevin. Hello. Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to the Orderly Conversation podcast. My name is Barbara Eagle, and I will be leading this wide-ranging discussion into best practices in corporate learning and development. We'll have a special emphasis on communication training, which is what Turpin Communication does best. So let me introduce you to the people you just heard from. First, we have Dale Ludwig. Hi, Dale. Hello. Who is founder and president of Turpin Communication. And Dale, you have a PhD in communication. Yes, I do. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and prior to Turpin, you taught at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Mm -hmm. And you founded Turpin in 1992. On the other side of the table, we have Greg Owen Boger. Hello. Hey, Greg. You came to Turpin in 1995 when the company was just three years old. I did. So while Dale is the founder, you have certainly had a hand in its development and uh, the shape that it's taken. Yeah. And your primary responsibility is facilitating workshops and coaching, but you also run the day-to-day -day operations. That's right. Here. Yeah. And the most amazing thing is since joining forces, uh, the two of you have accomplished some pretty amazing stuff. You've co-authored a couple of books. The first was The Orderly Conversation which is a concept that you've described as being the foundation of everything that Turpin does. And the second book, Effective SMEs, is an offshoot of the first book and is fo focused on helping folks in L&D support subject matter experts when they're the ones conducting the training. Yep. Awesome. And the other person that we have in the room is Kevin, our producer, who is running the board for us and making sure that we sound clear and wonderful at all times. Yay, Kevin. Yay, Kevin. <laughs> I should also provide some context for my role in this series of conversations. I've been a trainer and coach for Turpin for five years, and I've also served as the developmental editor for the Orderly Conversation prior to becoming a trainer. This gives me a really interesting insider's view of Turpin, both as an apprentice in the training room and as the person sort of managing the two of you right. uh, on the book side. Right. While I'll mostly be leading this discussion today, therefore, I'll also be chiming in with my own thoughts and experiences from time to time. All right. Let us begin by talking about how Turpin's unique approach brings value to clients. And what I'd first like to do is find out from either of you what you see as the current situation in business communication and business communication training. I'll take that, Barbara. It's it's going to vary according to according to what organization you're looking at. But generally speaking, there's a lot of confusion out there in terms of this. I'm talking about the training now. In terms of what the communication skills training is helping people do, and how it should be delivered. I think that it's there's there there's a lot of generic, traditional approaches that need to go away for today that just don't apply anymore. I would answer that differently, actually. I, I think that in the world of business communication, there's a lot of inefficiency and effectiveness, a lack of effectiveness uh, in communication in general. And with Turpin Communication, we, we focus primarily on helping meeting facilitators, presenters, and trainers be more effective. But the, the ultimate goal, regardless of who we're working with, is to help them be more effective and more efficient. And the way I like to think about this is, if you think about the manufacturing process, manufacturing managers will squeeze every ounce of inefficiency out of the manufacturing process, right? There are lots of Six Sigma and a handful of other ways to do that. 
But if you think about how many meetings we go to day to day where decisions are not made, people don't even know why they're in the room, that's inefficiency, inefficiency as well. And I think that our organizations and, and our managers and leadership deserve something better. So when I think about what Turpin Communication does, it's how do we help organizations communicate more effectively and efficiently? And the interesting thing is when it comes to communication, in some respects, everyone thinks that he or she is an expert in it. They'll attend a meeting and they'll think, well, here are the four things that didn't go very well at that meeting. Somebody else will have a different four things that didn't go very well at that meeting. And no one is being the adult in the room saying, all right, let's look at this specifically in terms of what you want to accomplish and what needs to happen. And I think that that's what Turpin is good at, is it's getting a clear sense of goal, definition, strategy, rather than just throwing all sorts of ideas that have been picked up along the way into the mix and, and confusing everybody. Yeah, I have to say that as someone who teaches writing, um, communication, whether written or spoken, seems to suffer from the idea that, well, I own a pen, I can write. I know how to talk, I can communicate. Mm -hmm. And I think what both of you are sort of saying is that A, that's not true, and B, there's a very specific and sophisticated approach to making sure that people arrive at and can achieve the effectiveness and efficiency that you were talking about, Greg. Yeah, and I think, what, Dale, one of the things you were, were talking about was we are not a rules-based approach company. We're going to throw all the rules out and we're going to really look at what are the goals that we're trying to accomplish with this particular communication event and build the skills that people need to do that more effectively and more efficiently. And a lot of times it's just about giving people the right tools to use. Because mm -hmm. I imagine one of our clients has a lot of dry runs for their, for their training initiatives. And if you can imagine a dry run with every presenter in the room that's participating in the in delivering the training and maybe a boss or two or a learning designer or two no one is an expert in precisely what skills apply to the delivery of that training and so what you get is this mis this mishmash of of all these ideas coming across that might confuse the people that are actually supposed to be getting it better as a result of the dry run, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, and it sounds like the oh, end effect, at least if it were me up there at the front, would be to make everything worse, to ratchet up the tension. Right. It's like the parents at the soccer team telling the coach what to do. It's, <laughs> it's that kind of environment where it's a little lawless, it's a little out there, No, everybody's equal and therefore nobody is in charge. Mm -hmm. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> so let's move in then to what Turpin actually is and does and how Turpin's approach brings value to the whole situation, to clients at all levels, from learners to uh, C-suite folks. Um, let's start with the, the vision statement. And um, I'm just going to read it, and then I'm going to let the two of you respond and explain a little bit about how it was arrived at because I think it's got some qualities that are unusual in a corporate vision statement. So the vision statement at the moment is, we envision a future where meetings, presentations, and training sessions are the least frustrating parts of doing business. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I mean, really seriously, wouldn't that be an amazing work day if the least frustrating part of your day wasn't the meeting or wait did i say that right mm -hmm. yeah yes i got i got tied <laughs> up in my double negatives right because <laughs> i i i have this 
vision in my head, and anecdotally, I know, I know that this happens, and not all the time, but it does happen from time to time, which is a senior leader walks out of a meeting, goes to one of his or her direct reports and says, I am not going to attend one more meeting like that. I don't know how to fix it, but fix it. And then hopefully, whoever he or she is talking to Googles us up and Turpin is one of the, the options that pops up, then we can, we can fix that. And one of the things that that speaks to is that real change can happen with these skills. It is not that we are stuck with bad meetings forever or that present presentations are going to be wandering and dull and not effective. Those things can be fixed. And I think that that's one of the things we bring to the table. And that's why our vision is the way it is. There are problems out there that can be solved. Well, I have to say the intensity of a problem can be measured in one strange way, which is the number of memes that pop up on social media about bad meetings. <laughs> right, right. So clearly this is a systemic issue and bad presentations as well. Um, the number of times that somebody has sat through a presentation and brings up that clip of Ben Stein from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? You know, where he's just running through the slideshow in this very monotone way. So this may seem like an obvious question, but how come there isn't within the industry more of an effective attempt to disrupt this? Do you think? I. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people, a lot of competitors in our space are going for the easy out, a rules-based approach that, you know, a, a set of rules might work for a handful of people, but not for the general public. And I think that's one of the things that, that we are really good at getting at is really working to understand what is, what, what's the culture of the business? What are- Of, of the client business. Of the client business, mm -hmm. right. What are the unique sensitivities and habits and assumptions that every individual is bringing to communication. And we work to understand that and work with each individual to help them succeed. And when we work with teams, this magical thing happens where they now have a common language and a common set of tools that they can use not only individually, but also in coaching one another. And if the managers are involved, then it just, it just blossoms from there. So that free-for-all that Dale was describing earlier of having everybody in the room for these dry runs now becomes something focused and consistent and much more effective. And actually, I'm guessing, in, in real time, because we're not there when it's actually happening, lowers the level of anxiety and, and nervousness and, mm -hmm. and tension, not only for the person actually presenting a particular section or... A, particular deck or whatever, but for everybody who has a skin in that Right, for the game. leader that walked out of right. the room and said, right. fix this, get this fixed. Right. That's exactly right. And the interesting thing about rules is that when we're, when we're in a workshop, people want rules. They want to know, <laughs> is this the right way to do this? Is this, is this where I should stand? Is, this, is my slide okay? And we always, at that point, try to get them away from that type of thinking and say, you know, our usual response is it depends on the situation. Mm -hmm. But they want the simplicity up front with universal rules. What we're after is a simplicity by the end of it. So having known that person a bit over 
two-day class perhaps knowing all right here are the issues for you here are the here's the one thing you need to do to improve so we're both after simplicity it's just that we get there in a more personalized practical useful way rather than some generic rule that doesn't really apply to everybody or maybe even anybody depending right and i would say that growing someone's self-awareness is key and you know this because you're you're one of our coaches and so when somebody understands this particular behavior is effective or this particular behavior is not effective they can learn how to assess in real time mm -hmm. and course correct and that's really what we're talking about right is course correcting in real time and and being able to be so in the moment during the meeting or the presentation that they can think on their feet and so so many times people are really tangled up and unable to think on their feet so Greg, you're talking about untangling, which I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it makes a great segue into the Turpin tagline. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, which is business communication untangled. So first of all, this is highly unusual as a tagline for a business because it's a little bit cryptic. But and we liked that element of it. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that serves a purpose. Yeah, yeah. It took us days and days and days to get to it. To find three words. Yeah. Remember that time, we, we, that moment we landed on it? It was like, it was Eureka. This is exactly <laughs> it. Duh. It's like when we when we titled The Orderly Conversation. Right. That took right. us forever, too. <laughs> well, at least you got those satisfying breakthrough moments <laughs> That's after right. all of that struggle. That's right. And we're still talking about them. So good means there's a lot to talk about. So back to this tagline, business communication untangled. It feels a little bit, like I said, it's a little bit cryptic and it feels as though almost it could act as sort of a secret code between you all and your potential buyers, the, the companies that need some sort of communication training. So I'm hoping that one of you can address this idea of, you know, first of all, what it means from the Turpin side of things. And then secondly, how, based on your observations and conversations, it gets interpreted by potential clients. From Turpin's perspective, it's about observing for 27 years the challenges that business presenters face. And most of the time, if we can just get them thinking correctly about what they're trying to do when they are doing a meeting or a presentation or training or whatever it happens to be. If we can get them thinking about what needs to happen and what works for them, life is easy. They're, the whole process has been simplified. We have directed them in the right way. Life gets easier for them when they're in, their, in that situation. So that's how it works from, the, from our perspective. It's a matter of, we do a lot of corrective action. We do a lot of myth just debunking. We spend a lot of time t saying to people, no, you don't have to be that, approach it in that way. It's way too complicated. Try this. And they say, oh, thank you. That's easy. So from that perspective, that's how it works. From a buyer's perspective, it's sort of a, a sophisticated buyer, someone who understands and has thought about why communication, business communication doesn't work very well sometimes, knows immediately what we're talking about because they have seen the results of bad advice, bad feedback, bad training, and know that there needs to be a fundamental shift in how people are, are thinking about it so that it can become an easier process for everybody. So in that, I guess that's the secret handshake. I mean, if someone is coming to us wanting pizzazz and kapow sorts of presentations, we know, well, they wouldn't come to us in the first place because we don't promise that sort of thing in anything that in any literature or in any website that we have. That's just not us. So if they want the big wow 
perfect presentation with you know firecrackers they they're not they should not come to us we're not going to provide it okay so I, I think I, I, as you were talking Dale there was this instant an instance that uh, might be worth talking about to paint the, a really clear picture of what this means to individuals so this was a class that Dale and I led uh, several months ago there was this one particular woman who she she's an analyst and be, because of the work that she does and she's really good at it she's really tangled up with all the details and of, of the minutiae and again that's what makes her good at what she does but it doesn't necessarily make her a good communicator so she was tangled up in feeling as if she had to prepare like crazy we're talking days of preparation just for a very simple business meeting and she had felt as if she had to have every answer to every potential question that might possibly be asked so think about how inefficient that is for her just the preparation and because of the pressure that she was putting on herself she experienced very high levels of nervousness on a scale of 1 to 10 10 being off the charts she was right up there 9 10 11 and so that's how she's tangled coming into the workshop and she because she had some unhelpful thoughts and training in the past she was coming in thinking that a business meeting was a speech and that is just not the case that that's the orderly conversation right and so when I was coaching her I helped her understand that she was going into this meeting to facilitate a conversation it's not a speech it's not a one-way thing and conversations are messy and you know you can be okay with that and she literally said my mind is blown this is a game changer right so she never ever considered that and she's not I mean, that, that's not unusual that someone comes in that tangled up. What's interesting about this particular individual is that she came back for another workshop because this particular client um, uses these workshops as open enrollment so anybody can enroll. And so she came in for another go-round, and then that next go-round, she was a lot less untangled, but we were able to get at some of the more nuance mm -hmm. tangles that, that she had, right? Right. Turpin the hair conditioner of the communication <laughs> world. I love it, I love it. One of the things um, from this perspective of untangling that I actually wrote a blog post about um, a while ago, and I think it's, a, it's something that we've been sort of dancing around even with your story about this particular learner, is this notion of perfection versus effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And just jumping around on a few uh, websites of companies that might be considered competitors by our buyers, I saw a lot about, you know, deliver flawless presentations, um, you know, be polished, be perfect. And I know for me, and Greg, I'm sure you can speak to this even more deeply, when I have somebody in the room who starts nitpicking the surface things before they really look at what they're doing in a, in a fundamental foundational way, that's when we have this conversation about perfection versus effectiveness. Yeah. And I think that's a, a, for me anyway, a large portion of the untangling is even just giving them that little insight, which turns out, as it did in your story, to be a major revelation. I don't have to be perfect, I just have to get the job done. It's really kind of mind blowing. Yeah, and uh, maybe this is just an easy out for us, but all of our trainers are imperfect and we like that about us right <laughs> I certainly because, am yeah <laughs> right so so through our imperfection we are modeling the sorts of 
behaviors that are absolutely acceptable in a business context. Now, if we were helping people deliver, for example, a TED Talk, that would be a different thing. But we don't help people do TED Talks because that's a speech, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing that I want to address before we move away from the tagline is just this, the specific condition of having to speak publicly. If we were doing Excel training or training people in a new software platform, we would not be running into the baggage and the emotional issues. And so I'm wondering when you're talking, because I want to keep this at the level of simply communicating Turpin's point of difference. When you're talking to a potential client, how does that become part of the conversation about untangling? Because it's such a huge aspect of why people are so frustrated with and dislike so much getting up in front of a room. The emotions are varied, obviously, but the most common thing we see, as Greg was saying, was someone who's extremely nervous. And so that person may not want to take the risk of, of standing up in front of the group. Other people might become frustrated or angry during a meeting because they've been interrupted or they've been, someone has said something that they find upsetting or offending, offensive or whatever, or an angry client during a sales call, for example. All of those emotions need to be discussed in, in, the, in the training environment so that people understand, first of all, don't be frustrated when this happened because that's what should happen. That's what's supposed to happen during this. Or don't worry about that interruption because that person needs to ask that question right now. So that's okay. Don't worry about it. it and then when it comes to the individual nervousness people have, it's, that's another issue, but it's also one that they can learn to accept. You will be nervous, but we're going to shorten the amount of time that, that it takes to get rid of that nervousness. So it's, they need to feel safe enough in the training environment to discuss these things, to work with us so that we can actually observe these things as best we can in that sort of environment so that we can then coach them through it. And that happens, that discussion almost always happens individually with people when they're watching their video. It doesn't mm -hmm. happen with the big group. The conversations that happen with you as a coach are very different than ones that I might have with a group of eight people. Definitely. The one part of the triad of mission and vision and tagline that we haven't talked about is actually the mission statement. And again, I'm just going to read it so that our listeners know what it is. The mission is, we fuel our clients' success by providing superior business communication training that builds skills and confidence for individuals, empowers teams to succeed, and cultivates leadership. For me, the interesting part of that is that it works vertically from the people who are conducting sort of the mid-level meetings to get the work done, to come up with the marketing plan or develop the new product or whatever, all the way up to the C-suite. And it right. seems to be not a one-way journey, but sort of pinging back and forth between the, the top of the org chart and the lower levels and interacting within that. And I'm wondering, first of all, just how you arrived at that picture of where you want a Turpin to be within its client companies, and also how you see that as differentiating. Well, I think that one of the most satisfying things for me, and there's a lot of 
things that are satisfying in, in this work. <laughs> but one of those is when you see a cohesive team all of a sudden working well together and coaching one another, providing feedback, using the common language that is developed in the workshop, and you know that they're going to be able to work more efficiently and more effectively when we leave the room, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's for the team. But then also when, when communication is developed and nurtured, leadership evolves in that person too, because communication clearly is one of the most important aspects of, of leadership. So, so if you take the individual working through their career, that's one of the ways you, know, you, you work mm -hmm. up. But also it's that when we're able to work with multiple people at multiple levels within the organization, it's not just the team that's well-oiled, it's the entire division that that is well oiled and that that jazzes me a lot when i look at the mission now i think about how communication affects everyone every day at every level in an organization so it's this incredibly important thing that that happens and one thing that differentiates us from competitors is that we do not look at a workshop as a one-off we're going to fix your presentations and go away we're interested in the the residual effects how does that affect your phone calls how does that affect your emails how, how does communication improvement function on a number of levels within the organization and i think that's what greg is is talking about with with the team and working up to leadership but it's also understanding how fundamental it is and that everything is from an l d perspective everything needs to be of a piece everybody needs to be on the same page when it comes to improving communication okay thank you all right, this may seem like a strange segue, but you two talk about single malt scotch a lot. I we drink asked, it too. Well, I asked your lot. advice on <laughs> buying single malt scotch. Um, but aside from it being tasty and enjoyable, what's the relationship between it and Turpin? I think that, well, let's go back to the, to the beginning of single malt scotch. So this was, I'm uh, not the beginning of the-, the <laughs> In Scotland in right. 1322. Yeah. Let's go back to Turpin's branding, the, the, the uh, initial meeting that happened. So we, this is many years ago, we hired a branding company to come in and help us out, uh, just solidify our brand. Because we knew who we are, were at the time, but I'm not sure that we were communicating it visually and in, in other ways, right, through our marketing message. So anyway, he sat us down and he said, he asked one question and that was, if you were a beverage, what would Turpin Communication be? And without even thinking, we both said, blurted actually, single malt scotch. And there was something there, right? The, the room lit up and we started talking about, well, what exactly does that mean? And if you put yourself at a, classy bar where you're sitting there you're looking at the the bar back with all the liquor bottles the single malt scotch really stands apart right the, the bottles are beautiful they are almost always well lit and they are the sophisticated bunch at the bar and really that's what turpin is we are the sophisticated bunch within talent development field and that it it, it cascades down in so many ways. It, first of all, the color choices, the design choices on our website, but it also it, it dictates how do we communicate in the written word. In other words, we are never going to use an exclamation point 
in any written material until we know you, right? Until we've had a chance <laughs> to share a, a, a single malt scotch. And then we might loosen up a little bit and some personality comes through. But, but that initial um, uh, entry into Turpin communication is that we are the sophisticated bunch. Perhaps in a world of some not so sophisticated I don't know, what's, what's an unsophisticated liquor bottle that might be on the bar? So you're trying to differentiate yourselves between the fireballs and the, uh, what is that stuff called? Rumchatas. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> of, of communication training. It, Not that there's anything wrong with those. Well, okay. <laughs> but yes. As that, drinks. Yeah. But it, it, the, the single malt scotch concept, though, rolls down into so many different areas. I know, Dale, what do you want to add to that? For me, it's about taking this seriously. The quality of the work we do is absolutely important. We will not deliver something that we think will not work. I don't think many people, I'm, I'll just go ahead and say it. I, I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't, but I, there are many vendors in our area that don't take the process very seriously, that don't really look at the challenges people face at work with an eye toward genuine improvement. They're, they're after a quick, fun fix that really won't apply. But if everybody has a good time during the day, hey, we succeeded, and that's not, that's not what we're after. And so I think the single malt scotch is an attempt to not only bring the sophistication, but the, the seriousness, the time involved the respect for quality that it, that it involves to the work that we do. Well, a good example of that is that in our industry, there is this... A lot of rum chata? That, that happens in the form of tchotchkes that are on the training tables, right? The squishy balls and the, the pipe cleaners and the icebreakers that we all have to do for someone for some reason. And those are the rum chata sorts of activities, right. right? And we would never do that because we understand that our learners are, well, first of all, adults. They don't need to be entertained. But second, they are busy people at work. And our job is to be, our responsibility is to be as efficient with them as we possibly can and get them back into the business. Because that's the business is asking for that and the business deserves that. And what other part of a business day are you sitting at a table with a bunch of toys in front of you? Probably not ever, exactly. except when you walk into the training room. So, yes, this is a different activity than what you're usually doing, but it's not. Why does it have to involve toys? I don't understand that. So if I'm a leader in business and I'm in charge of improving the communication of my employees, why should these things, the mission, the vision, the tagline, the metaphor, matter to me because your organization deserves efficient and effective communication and we can help with that and i don't have a lot to add to that that's okay it. that's it <laughs> well if that's it that's it then and this seems like a good place to wind up part one. Thanks so much, everyone, for getting us off to such a great start. Thanks. Thanks, Barbara. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin.